everybody. I'm Jen, bookstore owner. And I'm Lane, bookstore buyer. Here at Bard's Alley Bookshop in Vienna, Virginia. And you were tuned in to We Speak Volumes, a Bard's Alley Bookshop podcast. This is where we talk about the classics. Some we've read before, some we're reading for the first time, what makes them timeless, and what we really think about them. We discuss books for all ages and across genres. During each episode, share our own stories as they relate to these classics. So what do you say, Lane? Should we book it? Yeah, let's book it. Hello, listeners, and welcome to We Speak Volumes 2024. What? That's right. We are saying Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Lane. Happy and New Year, Jen. Yes. Oh, that was kind of sounded dull. It did sound Let's dull. try it again. Oh, much better. A little bit better. <laughs> we are cheersing the New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. We're sipping a little Madeira as we podcast. Hmm. That is the good good on a nice cold winter's day. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Anyway, so we did get carried away with the holidays. I mean, not carried away in a bad way. <laughs> um, I think we got carried away by the holidays. That is well said. We got carried away by the holidays. Ooh, and it was wait. fun. It was fun. It was a whirlwind and it was exciting. Mm-hmm. And the support of everyone who came to the store was just such a great thing to experience. I know. And Man, it's like love your love. Love it. <laughs> love your local. It's a, it's what it, that's what it felt like and just it, all around. It did. It really did. Mm-hmm. So thank you everybody. Yay for you. Thanks I for know, your support. I we know. love you. We couldn't be here without you. I know. And I and we had good intentions. I mean, we had a schedule. We knew we were like, <laughs> what? You know, the book we're going <laughs> to talk about today, we had, we had read, you know, we just could not find, you know, the time to carve out. But we're going to do it today and on January 15th is when our first episode will come out and this is the first episode yeah this is the first episode of 2024 so Yay. anyway yeah so let's get into it you want to talk about uh, our do our, our episode let's ring in the new year everybody with the American classic Little Women by Louisa May Alcott okay now don't everybody stand up and cheer at once <laughs> I mean seriously <laughs> You know what? It's funny that you say it that way because of all the people um, that I've mentioned mm-hmm. that this is what we were reading, I have mixed reviews. Really? Yeah. Really? There are some people who are just like, oh, I don't I don't like that book. <gasps> I know. Interesting. So we'll see. Are, can I just yeah. qualify this? Are they of varying ages? Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I don't know if... It's really something read by young people today. I don't I, know. I would agree with that assessment. Well, I don't know if I would totally agree with that assessment. I think in lieu of the movies, mm-hmm. and I know my sales rep, Julie Isgrig, one of her daughters, was in a high school production of Little Women this past semester. How cute. Yeah. So... Shout out to Julie and these Griggs. <laughs> hey, Julie. Um, so, <laughs> yay. Um, so it's still happening. And not too, too long ago, they did a Broadway musical of Little Women. Oh, um, oh my gosh. I know. No, it's going to be in Capital One Theater in May. In what? Tyson's Corner. Get out. In, in our town. No way. Yes, it is. Oh, that's really I wild. Meant to tell I you didn't that. even I No. We've been sitting here for over an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I meant to mention that. So, all right. We're going to be getting tickets to see that. Yeah, we are. Yeah. And it is it, so it's yeah, it's going to be here at the new um Capital One. Oh my um, god. Uh not arena. That's 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 the sports theater, one, but th- yeah, Capital One Theater. Yay! That's so exciting. So, but you were about to give a look of. Uh, I know they did a musical or whatever. No, it was. I was really surprised um, when I, <laughs> I I was sitting at home alone and I read that there was a Broadway musical and I went, "There's a Broadway musical." <laughs> <laughs> to nobody. <laughs> and and I actually went on YouTube and caught a few snippets of things. And um, it looked good, actually. It looked really interesting and fun. And I think the music's really 
great. Yeah. Uh, and it suits the show. So anyway, <laughs> what little I saw. <laughs> no, I, 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 no, but I, I just, it, it's funny how your mind like buries things. And then like, but now that you've yeah. talked about it, I think with the movies, mm. they're also um, like for you and I, when the Winona Ryder version came out, mm. um, I think that's like the first one I remember. But believe it or not, all three of the contemporary ones were nominated for Oscars. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So, Are you talking about the 1940s one, too? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I know. the. It was nominated for Best Picture in 2019. Right, yeah. and that's when Greta Gerwig, yeah, directed, yep, and adapted, uh, in a, yeah, and adapted yeah. the film, and then it also was nominated in 1949 and 1994. Yeah, wow. no, I'm not kidding. And I think Elizabeth Taylor was in the 49 version. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I think that's wow. right. So anyway, yeah, just obviously. That, to me, shows it's a story that people love. I was, of course, just going to say that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because that the story holds up. It really does. And it's still strangely, maybe wonderfully, maybe horribly. But <laughs> actually, I think wonderfully, more than anything else, it's really about growing up. Yeah, it is. It's really about growing up. Yeah. And... What I like so much about this is that originally, for those of you who don't know, the novel was published in two parts. So part one came out in 1868 because Louise May Alcott was approached by a publisher and said, we want you to write a children's novel. <laughs> I know, but did she intend to have a part two or was it just because no. the first book was so popular? The first book was so popular. The initial sales sold out in less than a month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like the the printing, I should say. Not the sales, but the initial printing sold out in less than a month. And there was such fervor for a continuation of the story. She immediately sat down and started writing part two. And she, like, wrote feverishly um, to complete that, like, I think within a year. No, she wrote the original book in ten weeks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's so funny because remember when we talked about Dickens and how he was paid by the word Mm, and, you know, mm -hmm. he needed money and all that? They needed money, too. Oh, so let's get into it. Yeah. The Alcots were not a wealthy family. In fact, they were incredibly impoverished Mm -hmm. um, to the point where there were times when I really believe they only survived on the kindness of strangers. Mm. Namely, one of their neighbors, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Oh, my gosh. And also Nathaniel Hawthorne. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they they did befriend them. Her father was, he was a transcendentalist. He was a philosopher. He oh, was yeah. absent a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. And there was a point in time when he went off to start this sort of utopian society. He was a fruitarian. And if you don't know what a fruitarian is... They only eat the fruits and vegetables that have fallen, like, from the tree that have not been. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that utopian society was called Fruitlands. <laughs> I'm sorry. And it was an experiment. That's funny. Um, and it completely failed. Like, it utterly and completely failed. And he was oh. effectively, like, on his deathbed. He had sort of given up his own life. And and Abigail, his wife, Louisa, and her three sisters, doesn't that all sound familiar? Yeah, yeah. Like, all went and pretty much brought him back and basically said, you have to, like, it's the idea that their, the family unit was the thing that was the most sacred, and they must stay together no matter what. Got it. And so they they sort of forced him out of his despair and into the world again and so he thought this could be a way of life like he wanted he really wanted that to be his name is bronson bronson alcott okay well that's that's crazy yeah and while he was also that 
He was someone who very much encouraged Louisa May Alcott's talents mm-hmm. in writing. Mm-hmm. He was very proud of that in a time when that was somewhat unheard of. Yeah. He was he was visionary in his own way, but he was also unreliable. Mm. Well, she started writing. I know she was born, I wrote this, I think in 1832. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, started writing. I mean, this is all also during the Civil War. And I know she did some nursing, and I don't know if her— She did. Yeah, and um, but that that's also in the background. And I didn't mean to take you away from no. kind of the original point you were making, which is how the novel is about growing up. And that brings me to the title itself, because I know I um, read some things that, you know, by saying little women, it's because there was this overlapping period of when you're a child— and then you're becoming a woman, you know? And so it's right. like, that's why it's like little women. And yeah, it's just evokes all of these, um, these thoughts and, you know, but uh, do you feel like it, there was any, ever any negativity associated with it? <laughs> so I'm sorry to giggle. She's giggling. So um, just as a fun tidbit. Yeah. She initially wanted to call the book, The Pathetic Family. <laughs> you... I'm not. Liar. I don't believe I am it. Not I, 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 I want to see I the got sources. that out of the book. This is my source. My source book for that is Meg Jo Beth Amy by Anne Boyd Rear. And it, yeah. My gosh. Yeah. So that, I, I did, that is, for those of you who love this book and want to learn more about Louisa May Alcott, this is a fantastic, fantastic book to pick up that really upholds celebrates all that little women has done for literature the way it has withstood the stand uh, the test of time and also it talks very much about louise may alcott's life and how autobiographical the early parts of little women really really are mm-hmm. and to the point where i think one of the first earliest broadway not translations but you know what i mean Adaptations? Adaptations was put on. The family was a little nervous because it was a little bit like their life. Oh, yeah. Being presented yeah. to the masses. I, I, she wasn't a, shy about the no. fact that, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's well, who who all the characters were based on. Well, you, know, you want Very autobiographical. You want to get into it? Because here's the fun stuff. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Absent father, like the missing Mr. March for mm-hmm. most of the novel. Yep. And then the sisters. She had three sisters, just like Joe has mm-hmm. three sisters. The youngest sister, Amy in the novel, Louisa's sister's name was, da 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 May. Aw. Okay. The oldest sister was Meg. Right? Okay. Right. In the novel. Mm-hmm. Her, her oldest sister's name was Nan. Okay. I don't know how those connect, but other than it's three letters. And then young young Beth was uh, named after her sister Lizzie. Oh, okay. Elizabeth. 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 Okay. So there's a lot of that. And again, the March family is poor. They do not come from wealth, but they actually that's not true entirely. Poor. Yeah, they're not they they aren't. Hmm. They're more, they're like lower middle class, maybe. I yeah. don't know. You know, they still fight it though. Yes, right. That's true. Like giving away their Christmas breakfast at the beginning was a sacrifice. Yeah. for them, it was. It wasn't like a, extra. They gave it away as charity. Yes, like we can to, go hungry because they have more than yeah. this other family. Right, but it doesn't mean that they didn't have a lot. And what you know, they were fortunate to know the Lawrences next door. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, that's very indicative of her own mm-hmm. life. Because, mm-hmm. again, Emerson's kind of quietly helped support the Alcotts at a, a few times in their, yeah, no, that, in their lives. That um, is, it, yeah, I, and I, I feel like, you know, I didn't mean to say negativity with the title, but it's, there are themes in here of women you know, and they're like the domesticity and yes. their kind of role. And, um, you know, of course, it's the times, too. But it was also some changing times. Um, but I really think beyond the sisters, you know, you have to add in 
like you mentioned, the Lawrences and their mother. And you, mm. is her mother in Marnie. real life, was Marmy very similar or yes. how, how does that go? So her mother's name was Abigail, Louise Mayocott. And because her father was away so much, it did rest on Abigail's shoulders to hold everybody together, to keep the family fed, mm-hmm. to keep them clothed and sheltered. And to, she shouldered all of those burdens. And in fact, in the um, Meg Jo Beth Amy, that scene between um, Marmy and Joe, when Joe is so furious, right? And talks yeah. and confesses how she doesn't know how to hold on to her anger, right? Yeah. It just controls her. And, and Marmy explains her own difficulties in controlling her anger. Which, by the way, just as a side, I thought that was one of the most wonderful scenes. Like, there are many, many memorably wonderful scenes mm-hmm. in this novel. And that's one of them. Because how, how often do you get that opportunity as a parent to be that real with your kids? I and- am in total agreement. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the line where she said, basically... I'm hearing myself say it to my kids. <laughs> Be like, I'm angry every day. <laughs> I just have learned to control it. Now, I don't control it like as well as Marmy does. But I just thought, you are absolutely right, Amy Lane, the way you said that. <laughs> yes, I loved that scene in the book. It was really. It really was. Yeah. She, she was helping Joe with kind of her maturity, you know, and kind of, look, hey, just because I appear this way, that doesn't mean things don't make me angry. Right. You know? Oh, my God. I'm so glad you brought that up. I freaking loved that. I did, too. And I also give props to Joe because that's a very honest moment for a kid to come to and say, like, I I can't, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And and then trusting Marmy, who, in again, in my opinion, she is sort of the unsung hero of... Like, especially part one. Like, yeah. Marmy yeah. is the one that everybody turns to yeah. for the advice, yeah. for the grace, for kindness, warmth, and that desire to do good in the world. Right? Yeah. That, no, they have that this, duty and dignity. Yeah. They really do have a kind of philosophy of living, um, you know, that they adhere to. I read the book many times. I decided to listen to the audiobook mm. um, this time, and it had different characters, voices, you know, different people, you know. Oh, nice. But I found Barmy to be a little bit too much at times. Oh, no. Because. Like Rochester like, and his like, chair. Not like Rochester. <laughs> <laughs> that month. No. Um, Sorry. I, I, because she was so pious, and maybe it was the way. The, in the audio recording it came through, but it just was kind of like um, her calm temperament, mm. you know, to, to just compared to like real life to me. Now, granted, it's over 150 years later, but um, she had times, help. She had help. Yeah, and she had help. And so at times I was just like, come on. But I'll, I'll bring up a scene. Yeah. If, if we have. If Let's do it. Good. Okay. Yeah. So remember when the girls were all complaining about their chores? Yes. And each of them had kind of their own assignment. Mm-hmm. And and Marmy was like, okay. Just take your take your day and read if you want to read, nap, right. go, you know, do your drawing, um, whatever you want to do. It's fine. And then within, was it a couple Days, yeah, a few days. The girls were like, "This is chaos," <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, "We hate this." Like they really, you know. And so I thought that was a fabulous, um, you know, way to show how she, Marmy taught them a lesson and in a very kind way, yes. you know. And and it was so funny. I feel all like the girls' reactions. If it's, I think this is the scene where, like, at the end of that little lesson, it's like sort of the button to that lesson was she took off for the evening and let them fend for themselves for dinner and yeah, she all did that. Yeah, and it was that disaster. And she, didn't she take her um, maid? Yes, with her. Yeah, it's like we're all going by. Yes. Yeah, and uh, oh my god, and, it was it was great. Yeah, so I I I loved that too. I thought that was just absolutely 
uh, so funny. Yeah, I mean, because I, mean, I think and, she, the whole thing was like the, they need like to have the right amount of work and play. Yes, everybody does. You know, and we? you have the, you, your domestic duties, um, you know, your your faith, your charity, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Their Pilgrim's Progress. Yes, that play yeah. or something. Well, that, that was, yeah. From the Times. Oh, my gosh. That reminds me now. I'm sorry, not the play, but all the plays that they do and the, the plays that Joe wrote oh. and the theatricals they put oh, on. Lo- yeah. There's a part of me that's like, man, I know that must have been a really really hard time to to live yes but what a much more exciting and fun way to spend your time yeah playing theatricals mm-hmm. and the little pickwick papers that's and right gentlemen <laughs> who are like writing their newspaper <laughs> and um all of that fun the creativity um, and yeah yes. and each of them had their little own garden that they got to tend to yes and give to mm-hmm. them, you know for themselves in any way that they wanted and all of it it was and i know you know joe and meg had to work in order to help support the family and they took Amy out of school because she she couldn't handle yeah, it. The, right? Was the limes the pickled yeah, limes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, no, it wasn't that she couldn't handle it. It's that her well, stupid teacher was abusive. Yeah, her teacher. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. she was she was so gentle and quiet. It's like it, it just was even worse for her. Are you thinking of Beth? No, I know what you mean. Oh wait, I am thinking of Beth. As far as Amy was the one who was more strong willed. You're right. Yeah, she was, and she, and she was, was the youngest. Yeah, yeah, and she. You know, the whole thing with the limes yeah. was just to sort of uh, fit in with the cool girls. Yes. Well, we can get into each of their kind of personalities a little bit later. But I think, you know, back to the idea of play, that's where um, Laurie really... Oh, my gosh. ...appears, you know. Yes. I mean, he's he's living with his grandfather, and... It's like he's peeking over the fence, you know, he is and he's here. Quite literally. He's, literally. He's like staring yeah. from afar into yeah. their windows and watching he's them. Hearing them and seeing them. And his, he's just so curious about this family. Mm-hmm. And I just loved how that relationship develops. But alongside of it, the relationship of Mr. Lawrence. Yes. With the with the family. Yes. And I mean, doesn't that just come out beautifully? It does. Through part yeah. one and part two. Absolutely. And and it's sort of the other quiet Beth mm-hmm. who really shines in yeah. that role. Because yeah. it's her kindness mm-hmm. and her gentleness. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's so. I love that she carries that doll. I know, <laughs> and and then in like the um, you know, we're not doing a full like plot thing. We're just gonna throw out things that mean a lot to us in this one. But um, I, I think some folks refer to this novel as a bit of a love story. Obviously, yeah. But it's so many different kinds of love. It's like you know the family unit love, love for their father who's away. The love between, um, you know, the sisters and their mates, you know, in the future. But, you know, you learn of the loss the grandfather had, you know, and that the piano. And then it's filled by, you know, little. um, Little women. Little women, you know, (laughs) and you're right. And so it's just this, just this warmth, you know. um, But it's, to me, the pace of the novel that's how I categorize novels is like the pace of it. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in most of it, it's it's very like warm and you're just like, but then there's like, I almost think of like the witched, wicked witch of the West. You know, when they're getting into their little plays or there's some trickery happening. Right. Because they're all of a sudden they're more energetic and they're, you know, mm-hmm. like when they went on the picnic, you know, with yes, Lori's friends. friends, you know, yes. I'm like. So there, most of it is is just a very quiet and content, you know, their life, right? Yeah. But then there are these periods of just kind of, yeah. That's exuberance. I, I just yeah. all that out, but um, yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. I really do. Surprise, surprise. Yes. Um, but I think it's it's one of the things that held me back from reading this for a long time. I know I read this, I think, as a kid. I, I think. I shouldn't say I know, and I think. I think I read this when I was a kid. Mm. I don't remember 
reading it, but it feels like impossible to have missed this growing up. And I remember loving Joe. That's of course, of course, because she was a tomboy and I was a tomboy and it was like yeah. the most fun ever um, because I didn't have to, you know, wear skirts if I didn't want to wear skirts. Yeah. Sorry, mom. And sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is that dirt under your fingernails again? No, my mom didn't care. She totally let me do that. Just like Harvey does, you know? know. She's so supportive of Joe taking the boy's role. Yeah. In the family, really, really. Yeah. And and I like that Joe wants that role. Like she wants to take action. She wants to do. Yeah. And and she's creative. And that's the other part of the energy and exuberance of this is both Amy and Joe are very creative souls. And Amy with her painting and her art Mm -hmm. and Joe with her writing. And it matters deeply to the two of them. And it it defines a big part of their own inner nature and character. And I love love them all. Particularly in the way everything sort of comes around in part two. Mm -hmm. Part one, Amy's a little bit much. She's the youngest. She's a little on the bratty side. Yeah. But is she the one that wanted to have like the party? Yes, at their house. And, like, That's the part two. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And but as as the she's the one who tore up Joe's book because she got mad because she wouldn't wasn't allowed to go to the theater. That's right. With her and Lori. Yeah. And Meg. Mm-hmm. And and then fell through the ice. Oh, right. Right. right chasing yeah. after and yeah and. And so it's that kind of thing. But at the same time, of course, I mean, that's just such a part of being a kid and Mm. having sisters and having that rivalry that kind of exists between siblings, particularly if you're a little more alike than you might want to acknowledge. (laughs) Is this where I have to confess? No, Like I'm in the middle of three girls and you want to hear all the... No, I'm just kidding. Love you, Donna and Anne. (laughs) But... I just, I think all of them had their virtues. All of them had their pitfalls. And and all of them shine. Yeah, they do. Nevertheless yeah. or yeah. because. Yeah, and for the most part, when they're all together, it's, an, it's amazing. It is amazing when they're all together. And I think that's, to me... I was I loved reading part one. Yeah. It was so full of joy and nostalgia and those kinds of memories. Because when when you and I were kids, and I know kids today still do this, but we spent a lot of time outside playing with friends. Yeah. yeah. Like that was our big entertainment. I know, it was. <laughs> we had memories of like my my brother and I who were like only about a year apart. And one of his best friends and my best friends when we were in elementary school, we were, like, playing a pirate game one time on the breezeway. <laughs> and, like, it was just – I just have very funny little memories of that. No, and that's I mean, what it reminds yeah. me of. And, and and I think, like you said, with part two, they still are in each other's lives, clearly. Yeah. And, and, you know, they have that connection. But the love relationships change, Right. They do. They morph a little bit Mm -hmm. because, and to me, part two is less about the relationship between the sisters and Lori, right? And the neighbors. And it's more about the relationships between each of the girls and their eventual loves. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Minus poor Beth, but she's kind of mixed in there with Joe and Lori's because Joe mistakes that Beth might be in love with Lori. That's right. Lori in love with Beth. I can't remember. He's got to end up with one of them. (laughs) Right? Just not me. (laughs) Well, the part one ended with their father returning. It was a year later. So it opens. That's why, again, we forgot to say this, but we chose to read this because it's takes opens place at Christmas time, right? Yeah. So it opens on Christmas and closes and on Christmas. Closes on Christmas. Yeah. And then part two begins three years later. Yep. And so they're like ages, what, 12 to 18, 18 maybe. maybe? And then 17? three years later, it's, you know, they're, yeah. they're older. And and you're right. There's very, very much in the book that is modeled after Louisa May Alcott's life you know the writing yes and joe and she's not interested in boys and you know she's very independent and i can talk a little bit about that you know at some point about how in her own life um louisa may was oh she was the breadwinner of that like, family yeah, yeah she, she had she to was taking care of you, you know the, the whole the whole bit but and anyway and that was her determination mm-hmm. 
that I she absolutely wanted to be able to take care of her family. I think both Joe, obviously, and Louise May Alcott herself felt right. that that was and a in, real necessity. And, and in spite of any kind of like gender stereotype that yeah. might have gone been going on, because remember when she took her story. Yes. To I love that. Yes. Scene. To town to the the newspaper man. Yeah. And it wasn't her. She wasn't re- representing it as herself. Yeah. And that was a really interesting way to show all of how Joe was on. Un- she didn't want the stereotype, but she also yeah. knew that it was affecting maybe her success mm. if she was not. You know, she was not as open about um, that it was her and not a man. Right. I also love that bit for a slightly different reason, which is it gives you a bit of a glimpse into the publishing world at that time and how stories yes. got published. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that he reads her her bit that she treats that she brings to him and he's like yeah cut all that moral stuff out nobody wants the morals mm-hmm. <laughs> anymore that's not what sells and that comes back into play very strongly later in a novel part two uh where she's been writing and making money off of these you know spectacled and yes. adventure stories and and these really melodramatic tales mm-hmm. which when she Gives them to Professor Bear to read, and he tells yes. her that he doesn't really like them. Fritz? Yes, dear Fritz. Yeah. And that that's so wounding to her. And that's also a very real response, because mm. you, you don't entrust your work to someone you care about without hoping, you know, in respect without hoping that they see, you know, something good in it and good in you. And that crushed her in a lot of ways and pissed her off, but it also made her rethink what she was doing. Right. And well, that's what that's true to her uh Alcott's life too. Mm. She she was making money writing those <laughs> types of uh stories, you know. Um she did write a lot of short stories that were yeah, very uh, suspenseful and adventure and that kind of stuff. She but. also by the way um has written some really spectacular essays that were highly noted at the time. Ooh. Oh, like Tales from the Hospital Room, I can't remember. Hospital Sketches, that's it. Okay. Hospital Sketches, which were based basically letters that she had written home about her time as a union nurse in mm. D.C. Mm. Um, and I think that's, you know what's also really interesting now that I'm thinking about it? Agatha Christie, too, yeah. volunteered to be a nurse that's right. during mm-hmm. the wars mm-hmm. and, you know, learned a lot and, you know, developed her writing uh, through that experience yeah. as well. And her murder skills. Yeah, right? <laughs> Thankfully, Louise Mayall <laughs> does not have the murder skills, um, but, but we she, love her. Yes, but she, you know, I, I feel like that she always had this fire within her, mm. but she didn't tamp it down. You know, I think she was very true to her her person. Mm. And when you read, you know, anything about her, and that's where I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about her personal life. So yeah. in her personal life. She was a feminist and an abolitionist. So she was um, part of the suffragette movement. Mm-hmm. She was the not f- at all surprising, right? She was the first woman in Concord, Mass, to vote. <gasps> yes, she was. I didn't catch that. That's yeah, so she cool. Was. And, and and in addition to that, it was her entire family. Yes, that were part of the the abolitionist movement, and when. The Underground Railroad actually had people go through their house, mm. and some people stayed in their house. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, there are so many things, um, you know, when you look into her personal history that you just wouldn't know. And and I just think that's just another testament to what a, not futuristic thinking, what's the word I'm looking for? What a, like, her, just, she's really thinking 
modern. Like, she's a modern thinker. Okay. You know, okay. Sorry. Was, uh, My brain is like, I know. Oh, is it the Madeira? No. <laughs> no, it really isn't. I think I'm a little um, warm. No, it is warm in here. We had to close the door because there's, <laughs> like, cats and people, and we don't want any disturbances. <laughs> um, but I, I, this is, again, what I love about doing these podcasts is that it's something I wouldn't have known, you know? I yes. Agreed. I, it is really exciting to get to read about these authors, mm-hmm. um, particularly these pioneering women, and whether or not she deliberately was so within the world of literature, she certainly became one. And this novel is a testament to that because, man, I looked up, I was trying to find a collection of those essays, mm-hmm. right, that included the hospital sketches. And <laughs> when I looked on the page, it's like all little women, little women, little women, oh, little women. Yes. Every, yeah. like a million different varieties, like versions and publications yeah. of little women. It's like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> how do I get, how do I wade through this just through the essays? Um, but I found it. And you did it into oh, the store. So. Oh, okay. Oh, I can't wait to Thank read it. Thank you, Penguin that. Random House, for keeping these classics, these classics alive. I know. Well, um, well, there's one book um, by Geraldine Brooks mm. called March. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. How could I have forgotten all yeah. about that? And I read it ages ago, but it hooked me onto Geraldine Brooks, number mm. one. I just loved that story so much because it's basically the father. You know, it's yeah. kind of this untold story of, of the father's goings on you know <laughs> while the family's back home and i that's one of my favorite books i love it oh my gosh yeah fantastic. so it's not a it's not a it's not like little women rewritten it's just you know taking that story and and having this new one so well, those are those are some of the best kind of homages to the yeah. classics that we love mm-hmm. is when they inspire us to continue or to explore a little bit further yeah well uh-huh. that i just wanted to give a plug for that particular Thanks. book so so what else do you want to talk about? So, so one of the things that was mentioned in the Meg Jo Beth Amy is that there was a point in time when it seemed like, and, and there was a critic from, I think, overseas who sort of crabbed about the idea that <laughs> wherever you went in the States, <laughs> the Little Women was everywhere. Like, it was oh, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody had it. It just, everybody was reading it. It was on everybody's bookshelf. It was on all the bookshop shelves. It was in, like, the magazine. It was, like... Bestseller. It was... <laughs> it just permeated the culture. And, again, like, how many other novels gained so much attention with that first bit that was just supposed to be out there and just for kids? And But was this critic saying that, like, during the time when it was published, yes. or was this? Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, and and it, it's just I just adore that about it. And you know, there was a lot of criticism about the language, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of crass mm-hmm. language, but it was very American. It was one of the most American novels because of the way she used the language. She wasn't trying to uphold the sort of formal standard at the time and she'd used a lot of colloquialisms Mm -hmm. and that really made a difference in how I think it was received and how it resonated with so many people Uh, not only just the fact that it was it's really a slice of life I remember reading or hearing somewhere along the way while researching this that this novel doesn't really have a plot (laughs) and it kind of doesn't no in the way that i think of like our contemporary novels kind of have Mm -hmm. plot and that if you think of young adult novels nowadays it's very much cause and effect yes and this is really slice of life Mm -hmm. and there are little sort of vignettes that you get to enjoy and yeah i read somewhere that it she sort of created a new genre Mm. as the all-american girl you know, like quotes, like, you know, she, at the time, like you said, like she brought the story of what it meant to be an American girl, you know, at the time. And I'm not talking about the dolls. No. I know. <laughs> not even that. There's anyway, it just makes me think of all sorts of songs and everything. Oh, else oh American okay. Girl. True. Yeah. You know, but we're talking about 1860s. Uh, no, you know, no. American girl. <laughs> um, so I really love that about it. And also the fact that this is kind of considered one of the first 
crossover novels that's mm. that can be enjoyed by children and adults. Oh. And in particularly I think part 2 and I really I most of what is translated in and into like movies film that's the same thing I'm aware movies <laughs> theaters what have you right musicals it tends to focus a lot on the early days mm, and the mm-hmm. sisters and their mm-hmm. relationship and it k- truncates part 2 in many many ways and I think there's a richness in part two of that becoming an adult and the lessons that you learn as you develop new kinds of relationships, particularly between Meg and her husband, John Brooke, right? Yep. Meg has always, I don't want to say resented the fact that they had money at one point and then were poor and could not quite get back that status um, that she remembers, right? Mm-hmm. From however long ago. Right. And she kind of is always like striving towards that a little bit. It's like that time in the part one where she she goes away to her friends and she dresses up. They, she lets them basically dress her up like a doll. Yeah. Um, and Lori comes and is like, no, no, that's not you. We don't like this. And um, but she wanted to like try it on for. Yeah. Day, yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's some really wonderful moments of married life, especially early married life, that I think are just gems. And, and yeah, it's, like like she makes this fancy dinner, and he comes home, and he's like, "I'm not that hungry." No, I mean, or something no, like no. that. She spends she she like, she's trying to make jam, right? Oh, she okay, she okay. picks all that fruit. I don't remember what kind of fruit it is, but she picks all the fruit. She's trying to make the jam. It's not gelling at all, and. They have, she's given him open invitation to bring home whoever he wants, whenever he wants. And he does. And she's not made any dinner. The kitchen is a mess. She's practically in tears because she's so frustrated. Mm -hmm. And and she's like, what are you doing? Because Kyle will not tell me first. Classic. It was very classic. (laughs) Yeah. And so he's like, all right, well, uh... I know, I know. I, I forgot about the jam yeah. uh, interconnection, but yes, I know. And yes. I saw it, like, oh my gosh, I know what exactly I feel. <laughs> and, and it's really lovely because you get to see, you get to sort of understand each of their perspectives mm-hmm. and their feelings and how they don't like having, you know, had this moment of misunderstanding and, and frustration and awkwardness. And how they try to overcome it and eventually do, yeah. right, and come yeah. back together. Yeah. And it's really lovely and real. Yes. And likewise, when she she sort of gets goaded into buying this beautiful fabric yes. that's way too expensive. Yes. Like, she really, they really can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And she, she knows she's abusing the trust that yes. John has put in her right. with the money. Mm-hmm. Um but she does it anyway in the moment and then regrets it and yeah. then confesses um, and then again makes it right. Yeah, yeah the way he upset. handles it. Yeah, they just, both handle it beautifully. It's like an early marriage yeah. trial. Yeah, so. it is. Um, and it's a different kind of, you know, trial than the jelly and the jam. And then and then when the new babies come along, yeah. right, and he's feeling neglected and then she starts to feel yeah. neglected because she's taking care of yeah. the kids. And yeah. who does she turn to? Marmy. I know. Hooray, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> because she gives great advice, which is uh, ask him for help. Da-da, da-da. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be really glad you did. You'll be really glad. And the kids will be really glad. Yeah. 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 There you go. That's All right, mommy. Just put the superwoman cape <laughs> on your back. You know? <laughs> and maybe a tiara. <laughs> yes. You earn both. Um, so, so there's one character we haven't talked about. Who? Is Aunt March. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's a trip and a half. She is. I know. Yeah. I mean, she is, I don't know. It's like she thaws a little, I guess, uh, later in in the very, very end. But she is just like a, one of the, you just like, oh, yeah, she's just that old rich spinster kind of. Cranky. Cranky. And cranky, cranky, Nobody's cranky. good enough. And, I you know. love, by the way, if you guys, if you're listening to this and you've never actually read this Aunt March has a parrot, Polly. <laughs> Polly the parrot. 
And I cannot help but ask, is that why we always call parrots Polly? Ooh, I don't know. Is it because of her? We'll have to look that up. But that made me laugh so hard, and I listened to it as well. And I, I, one of my loans got you know taken back, and so I loaned out a different version of the audio. Oh, yeah. It was very different, but the both of them who did the parrot voices or the parrot voices were hilarious. And that parrot was a parrot. If you've ever ever known a parrot, it is very much a parrot. I have never known a I parrot. I have known a parrot. <laughs> Man, that parrot. <laughs> Cranky. But they're, 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 <laughs> yeah, they're so indicative of that. I know. Large. You're like, okay, you two have spent a lot of time together, clearly. Um, and there there's so many characters in this book. There's so many, like, just friends and neighbors and, oh, yeah. you know, all that. And, and they each have a part, you know, in the journey of these girls' lives, yeah. you know. And, and sometimes they cross over, you know, with both girls. Sometimes it's just, you know, one-on-one kind of thing. But Aunt March, yeah, she, um, you know, she's an important part of the story. You know, she is overall. Um, she's the one who employs Joel. Yeah, um, yeah. she's yeah. she's also the one who gets frustrated by Joel. Yeah, they are, and and she's the one who takes care takes Amy in. Yes. when Beth gets sick the first time, right? And mm-hmm. that's important. That's huge in the novel in so many ways. Yeah, because Amy really didn't want to go, but it also was a really good indicator of who Amy was going to become because she had that kind of rigid regimen at Aunt March's house and it was very upper class, right? Yeah. It had sensibilities. Right. And that I think eventually helps to lead to the fact that Amy and not Joe goes off to Europe with him. Yeah. A hundred a thousand percent. Cause she overheard Joe say something. Yeah. And was like, all right, yeah, fine. You're not. Joe doesn't really like friends. Joe speaks her mind. Joe doesn't like. You're not going. Yeah, because she wouldn't appreciate it. But she, but March also really was hard on Meg when she Mm. was talking about Mm. John Brooke, who she was, who was that's who was Laurie's tutor, and who she had affection for. God about that. Remember that she like was like, I'm cutting you all off, or you know you. Yeah, I mean, just because, and and probably she had good intentions, but well, she really laid it all on Meg's shoulders mm. to marry well in order to keep the family afloat, right? Because she's supported, yeah, yeah, exactly. And she was a pretty good looking gal. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly at the time, Amy was too young right. to be of a marriageable age. Yeah. Um, at least in this era. Yeah. Because Lord knows Juliet Capula was only 13, everybody. Um, 13. I'm, I'm holding my hands over my ears. <laughs> <laughs> and Romeo, too. So, you know. Um, but Well, I think considering the love story aspect, mm. when you look at Laurie and how he kind of went through the kind of the phases of which sister, you know, is he going to end up with or, or any at all, you know, it's it's... I don't know what I'm trying to say, but um, that part was that mainly in part two, I think. Because you always yes. think you're like you're like it's going to be Lori and Joe. Yeah, you're like everybody. It's going to be it's going to be them, and they're going to be. It's sort of like this Pride and Prejudice thing where like they fight, but they're going to end up together, and then it gets confusing a little. <laughs> I so here's where in my mind the. The translations, adaptations, adaptations, that's what it's called. The adaptations of the novel fail because there isn't enough time to put it all in. And Joe really is the focal point of the family and the story. And there's no denying it. And so it's like once she refuses Lori's marriage proposal Mm -hmm. wisely and really practically like she she lays it all out oh yeah like we're no this would never work yeah and what's also interesting is that of course everybody back in the day was clamoring for joe and laurie to get married and her publisher basically said you know you gotta marry these girls off right you know you have to do that yeah in this novel Mm -hmm. so she she did but just not to the people everybody right. wanted yeah. her to. Yeah. And it makes total sense yes. when you read it. Yeah. If you just watch the movies, forget it. Because it's like 
a little bit creepy, particularly, I think, the 1994. I haven't seen the 49. But um, Greta Gerwig's did a better job yeah. of really allowing the relationship between Laurie and Amy to have some focus. Mm-hmm. But it kind of goes in other adaptations, like from Laurie getting rejected to boohooing in Europe and then it, running into Amy. And then it's like, oh, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> I've known you all your life. You're good enough for me. And it's not that way at all. No, it's just it really not. Isn't. Yeah. And it's really a beautiful secondary love story. Yeah, I think. I think so too. Yeah. And I think it's handled well. And again, very believably, very realistically, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because the best part of it is he comes over, he's being all like whiny, basically, and lazy and not doing anything and and shirking responsibilities towards his grandfather and his business and himself and everybody. And she kicks him in the ass. <laughs> yes. She just does. And it's like, dude, get yes. get your shit together. Yes. Just get yes. it together. Yes. And and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You're like, what are okay. you? Okay. Something like hound dog? Come on. <laughs> get, get like, yes. Yeah. And and I think that's a really wonderful turning point mm-hmm. for him, for mm-hmm. her. Yeah. For us as a reader to yeah. see her that maturity. Right. And that love of friendship, you know, yeah. and like looking out for somebody so that they want them to be happy. Like yeah. it's like I'm not rejecting you because I want to hurt you, but you know, and but then look, don't look a good thing, you know, in, in the, I did it again. I just said, you know. <laughs> <sighs> it's okay. 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 Moving on. So I'm looking over. Am I dead dog rover? <laughs> no. I'm looking over. <laughs> and you still. <laughs> I'm looking over and you still have a little pile of index I cards. Do. So well, I, is there anything else you want to so talk about? I, there's the, the elephant in the room, which is Joe and, and Professor Bear. Fritz. Fritz. Friedrich. Um, which is another love story that I really admire. And it's, it again begins with friendship, mm-hmm. much like she and Lori did. It's a more domesticated kind of friendship and less of a childhood playmate right. friendship. Right. Though she still gets to play with him a little bit. Like they go to that ball and everything yeah. and it's really adorable. And he teaches her German, and he's, like, expanding her mind, and he's part of that transcendental philosophy, mm-hmm. and and she can really hold her own in that, you know, time, too. I, I feel like I remember her having conversations with him or with his friends, right, just being there. I think you're right. There's this a very basic smarties <laughs> smart smarties connection you know where they're i did it again it's and you know oh my i'm gonna get a little buzzer and <laughs> myself every time um doesn't he say he wants to wait until he is more like solid no or that's what, john where brooke. am i getting oh that's, that's john brooke, brooke. okay yeah i was like similar he's a tutor teacher so is mr so he's yeah teacher. professor but and then that's because she could not end the book with Joe alone. Right. So no, this is, this she, is she where it, this is where this character is written in. Yeah. And we get to know him and we like him. We do. I do. I really like him a lot. I think he's a great companion for Joe. Just, just wonderful. He, he's, he's the one who's going to push her to be her best self. Like he's going to bring that out. And when he her. shows up at their home, I, I think the sisters and Marmy, everybody sees it. Yes. They see, okay, this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And they all love him, too. They do. Yeah. Yes. They all are just like, ooh, he's terrific. Yes. And um, it is a happily ever after. When you read the final, like, chapters. Yes, it is. Or final paragraphs. It is. Absolutely. It's very much like, okay. It's... It's a near utopia mm. in its own way mm-hmm. for that world that was created in the modern adaptation of the movies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The school that Joe opens is for everybody, not just boys. But in the novel, it's just for boys. Which I also kind of love because she's so she so loves boys. Like yes. she and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like she has a connection to to boys mm-hmm. that she's never really fully been able to like let loose 
and and she wants have influence to educate and, them through play mm-hmm. and see their place in the world and again that they have good relationships with women mm. you know the whole I did it again the whole uh, maybe not good relationships with women maybe not that part but i i think she has a vision for what a young man should learn and what a young man should bring to the world and it goes back to the all those ideas of you know your family duty mm-hmm. um the necessity of work importance of being genuine and also advocating for yourself you know your personal that your your personal self being true to your own self so i i do i think it is a very happy ending i do too and i would love to read joe's boys yes you know at some point yeah um and i feel like the only character we've really neglected is beth in a way but it's interesting to me because in in real life, Lizzie was probably in undiagnosed depress, like mm. with depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She had times when she was really just not, she would just be like shut in her room kind of a situation. And I do think she was prone to illness. And so there's that element that comes in where Beth is a part of things, but always a little bit separate. Nevertheless, she's very, she's very much about caring for others, it seems, and has an innate goodness that people are drawn to, obviously. And I know Joe is a little bit lost without her because she really does sort of dote on That's the perfect word, I think, because they see how much... Beth gives of herself to others. Mm-hmm. They see her as this fragile and precious and precious thing. And the way they even talk to her and mm. about her uses different vocabulary, mm. precious and small and sweet and all these different things yeah. that I bet if we went and looked, give you more examples, but that is completely true. Yeah. Really accurate. And it's really interesting because she's very quietly helps to, I think, guide others, push others, mm. to to comfort others. I think that's really what it is. It's particularly Mr. Lawrence, right? Yes. When he invites her to play the piano. Yes. It is truly for his benefit, but she's genuinely grateful um, and never, she doesn't ever overstep her invitation. And who doesn't want to be remembered as this beloved (laughs) individual? It's like that doesn't do any wrong. Um, (laughs) But I know she's she's a wonderful person. And I think for, again, when I was originally talking about Mr. Lawrence, like I loved that relationship. Yeah. And and his heartbreak at her passing was heartbreaking. I know. And and also the everything with Joe um, and Beth at the end when Joe comes home because mm. Beth is not right. doing well and right. she's also had that massive fight with Bear, um, yes. but still has invited him to come and visit and it's just it's so well worth reading. I well, think in each, each sister you don't get this a lot. Each sister is just a hoot, they and are. you just are like. Joe, obviously, it's just her, you know, she just, a, a lot to handle. And, and I wrote, you know, I wrote this line down because I don't know when she said it, but uh, Amy is so strong-willed. Yeah. She said, I'd rather take coffee than compliments just now. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I'm like, oh, yeah, girl, get it. Because I totally, I'm just like, yeah, that's the real Amy. Right oh, there. God. <laughs> I love it. Um, but, yes, yeah, so spend some time with this family, even though it's only about a week or two after Christmas. It's close enough. You can still read Little Women. Oh, it's a year-long it novel. It is a year-long Take novel. Take your time with yes. it. Enjoy the it. quietude of it. And oh, good word. Yes, quietude you. of it. It is good. It's yeah. worth it. 
I know. Anything else? Final call? Mm-mm. Okay. Anybody, if you think we've missed anything that was really spectacular and important that we didn't talk about, please just let us know. Write yes. us a comment. Send we, us oh, an email. Yeah, we always, we really are, I think, one of the goals for 2024 is stick with our schedule. Make sure we have a platform where people can engage with us. Yes. And Easy. we'll let you know when we get our Little Women tickets in May. So you can come to the Ooh. show with us. <laughs> That'd be so much fun. I'm going to buy and the Little Women. I know. Yeah. But we are very grateful to our producer, Michael Briggs. Hey, Michael. Yeah. And for you listeners for sticking with us. Mm. And remember, you can listen to We Speak Volumes ad-free on any of the channels that you listen to your podcast. What? Yeah. And we are happy to be able to bring that to you for free. And when you are in Vienna, Virginia, if you want to stop by and see us, uh, please do. And, and ask for Jen. Uh, <laughs> and Lane. And we would love to show you around. So anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed Little Women as much as we did. What do you say, Lane? Should we book it? <laughs> yeah, let's book it.